Hey there, and welcome back to the lake. This time I'm having you sit a little way away from me because, as I explained in the last episode, I was in the boat but ashore due to the conditions. It was noisy and windy, but now I got here in the magic golden time in the morning before there's too much going on all around and uh, I have a topic I want to start going into now. I will do that over many episodes. It involves a book, but first let me take care of something I do usually, nearly always when I'm at the lake. I just got on the boat, but I'm going to film something Although I started the recording, but I'm going to go under this bridge and um, then I'll get to what I referred to. But now I'm putting the oars away, hopefully without making too much noise and going to just film a little here. I was so happy when last summer at one point I got a really perfect shot, at least one, maybe two, of that, of going under the bridge, which is necessary at the start and at the end um, of rowing, uh, in my case, and um, to have a really nice simple movement happening alongside that. And the thing is that there's only a narrow passageway, so I need to get the boat going through it by aiming it that way and then just letting it drift. And uh, it's very satisfying to get it right and uh, so that you don't run into any rocks. And then at the same time to have gotten a really nice shot. Now I'll just take us a little further into the lake. Um, onto the lake. Let's let's not go into the lake, at least this time. I'm not equipped for underwater recording at the moment. Although I can do some of that. If you have seen a video I did connected to my first book of poetry last summer, the, the book is called Land of Youth and Beauty, and uh, there was just a brief sequence that did go underwater. It wasn't necessary for that video to do more of those. And um, the underwater shot, or it starts on top of the water, uh, above the water, I meant to say, and then plunges underwater and then comes back up. It illustrates that the vision of the book that you see at the start of that shot it's a vision. There's nothing under the water there. And then when we return to the surface, we again see that there's no book or anything else under the water causing that to happen. And um, like I explained in the video description on YouTube, at one point I added more detail to all the video descriptions 
uh, that was some months ago now and I'm not sure if I've mentioned it in any connection on these episodes but I added um, some commentary about the backgrounds uh, or some details that I just wanted to have recorded there uh, that I felt were of interest and uh, anyway so yeah the video is there and uh, I did mention that the whole video was inspired by a vision of a book that I saw uh, like a book with its pages unfolding and unfolding when I had taken a video last summer because in the sunlight you can't often tell what you have filmed until you go home then you look at the video and uh, only then I noticed even this illusion or mirage and I think I started to say just earlier now that to this day I don't know what caused that because there was nothing around me and I was carrying nothing else except the device I was filming on. I had no book with me and there was no feature anywhere around that I could imagine causing that. So yes of course it may have simply happened in the lens. I'm going to check that I'm recording properly. Yes, you seem to be working just fine. It's really nice to be now on the lake talking this way again. I waited such a... well, I mean, it was always... It, the winter is always about the same length, of course, more or less. Uh, give or take a month or two in Finland, but it felt like a very long wait through that winter for this. You know, many of us have had some tough times, my friends, several of them, and uh, I'm not going to go into um, my case. Okay, I referred to an actual topic and a book I want to start talking about in a serialized kind of way. So I will go through it little by little, uh, commenting on simply things that I got interested in or was fascinated by or that gave some insight and so on. And um, it's the book by Andrew Mellor called The Northern Silence and uh, I talked about its first two paragraphs just at the very beginning of the book uh, a few episodes ago but that's now several months ago it was somewhere during the winter I think if not even well ne never mind I'm always going into too much detail um, but I described a couple of things that Andrew mentioned that immediately made me feel at home and showed to what degree Andrew has gotten to know the Nordic countries, the things that are considered special in them and even sacred you could say without uh, like a religious connotation but um, Andrew referenced for example how in the Finnish forests the light can sometimes filter through the trees almost horizontally and the effect can feel like 
immersing oneself in lake water, which I mentioned in that episode is one of the best feelings in the world for at least this particular fin, but I believe for nearly every fin. And uh, he said it felt bracing and embracing. And uh, yeah, so my idea now is to, when I find time, this is always a great difficulty because I have tried to find more time for all the important things I want to be doing and need to be doing. But um, the various methods I've tried so far, because they involve also decisions by others, whether to grant such time, they are in positions to decide some of that. They haven't really led to much more time yet or almost any more time so I have to burn the candle at both ends or three ends or four ends maybe it's a very weird candle and I wouldn't be surprised because it's my candle uh, all right um, what I'm going to do now is first I make sure I'm away from these boulders or things that are marked near where I am going to set the boat just drifting and I have the book right here so I'm going to be able to look at it and um, go through the parts that I've already read in detail all right so here it is I wanted to mention at one point I asked Andrew whether I may quote directly from it when talking about it and um, he kindly gave his permission to quote as much as I wish. Alright, so um, here's these first two paragraphs. Now I'll be quiet for a moment, maybe I will, if this is an extended moment, I may cut it down a little, but if you feel like just listening to the sounds of a Finnish lake the birds you may be hearing I'm sure you are hearing them also as I just sit here for a moment then please feel free you are always welcome maybe I should get a bit further away from the people swimming over there. On the second page, where that second paragraph I mentioned ends, Andrew also refers to the Finnish architect Alvar Aalto. I think it's fair to say that he's the best-known Finnish architect. The reason I mentioned that Andrew mentions Alvar Aalto is that, I'll quote here, this is a quote from Pekka Hako, who is um, a musicologist, folklorist, and educationalist, as Andrew says. And uh, Pekka says that Aldo tried to recreate this effect in many of his buildings, the feeling of 
the sun coming in like it sometimes does in Finnish forests. And it was about the quality of light, getting the right quality of light. continue in just a moment after getting again a bit further away from these buoys. I'm trying a new way to um, have the recorder cushioned so that it wouldn't record so much of the um, uh, lower bass sounds of the boat because I'd really like to also capture the sounds of uh, recording and the water lapping against the boat as just part of the overall ambiance and of these episodes but yes next Andrew mentions how this topic of light also relates to our most famous composer's music, uh, Jean Sibelius, and um, particularly his last major piece for orchestra, as Andrew uh, describes it, it's called Tapiola. And uh, this is what Andrew says here. I will quote directly. Sibelius created what seems on the surface to be an orchestral depiction of Finland's spirit of the forest as set out in the country's folkloric poetry. At its simplest, Tapiola can be interpreted as a journey deep into one of these woods. It carries with it the heaving undertow of forest winds and creaking trees. It makes oblique references to mystery critters lurking in the half-darkness. It saturates your ears with a sense of the unseen and the unknown. It disorientates at macro and micro level. Underneath the orchestra's elusive twists and turns, the entire musical structure sits uneasily in its own key. I'm reading ahead a little bit more because I want to pick out the points to mention especially about how this continues. This was also interesting to me as someone who also composes music. Andrew mentions that the music shifts key for the first and only time into the major in the score's final bars. And he adds, as an evocation of autumnal Nordic light momentarily filtering through forest trees, the final bars of Tapiola get closer than Alvar Aalto ever would. We are left with a reassuring impression of the forest as a foe-turned-friend. And uh, this is uh, then getting into even more interesting territory. After those crepuscular chords, 
tapiola, tapiola, I, I'm sorry. Tapiola disappears into the silence from which it emerged. And in the same paragraph, despite that valedictory shift from minor to major, the piece effectively remains within the confines of a single key, a design feature almost unheard of in music at the time. And uh, this is also very interesting to me because in uh, music that I grew up with, a lot of it was of this type the composers, the makers of the music could stay in a single chord through extended sequences or maybe for the whole piece and uh, I'm referring not only to film music if you think about sequences in film where the same mood continues for a long time I was talking about film music but also game music is very relevant here because in many games there are many scenes and sequences where it continues in the same chord without a chord change because it isn't necessary and it could even be distracting and feel strange to experience because the more chord changes you have the more it starts to feel like a, a song or a whole piece of music going through a progression and that's fine like uh, if it's for example as I mean it's fine in all kinds of contexts but I'm trying to think of clear examples here and uh, one clear example would be that if there's background music let's say you go in the game to a bar and there's music playing in the bar then uh, you know it feels perfectly natural for uh, whatever happens with the chords but um, if for example there's a suspenseful sequence then in films and games for example um, it's very common to have the same chord going for a long time or only uh, with small changes or not going at least far from that chord and uh, not like for example let's say there's a really suspenseful sequence in the X-Files which I have started re-watching uh, and I'm enjoying the early seasons very much for many reasons if in an X-Files episode there was a scene where something horrible is going to happen to someone, if you first had suspenseful music going and then suddenly it shifted to the major, even as the jump scare or whatever's coming hadn't happened yet, it would feel very strange. I can't think of examples where that has happened, but I can think of something else where that happened and in a kind of similar context there is a great song by the Shangri-Las it's called leader of the pack and it tells a whole story in just a few minutes it's really admirable its arranger was amazing 
when the tragic moment occurs in that story told in the song, it jumps upward a little bit in pitch, I mean, and chord-wise, and uh, it feels like a moment of triumph, even though something horrible has happened, or let's say rather ecstatic, rather than triumphal or triumphant. It's like a moment of release, and it works really beautifully in that song. But that was that sidetrack. I want to continue because there were still points here. I'm only in the first few pages in talking. Let me see. I'll be quiet again. I need to... <laughs> Maybe it's a, another kind of blessing. I was talking about blessings or re releases. It's a release for me not to be talking all the time. Oh yes, this was a great part I wanted to quote. Again, I'm quoting at quite some length. It's about silence. If you have listened to my discussions with Pierre Estev, if you have heard, for example, those episodes, then you know that silence is extremely interesting to me. And the use of silence and pauses and negative space, they are kind of the same thing, all of those, in my own thinking. People can define them in many ways. This is page three. The composer had explored the eloquence and energy of silence in plenty of works before. In some, he uses it more obviously. But in Tapiola, silence is the natural state over which each and every sound treads discourteously, right from the rumbling kettle drum with which it sneaks into being. Here, Sibelius uses silence not as a rhythmic lubricant or a dramatic device pitched in counterpoint to extreme noise. Rather, it lies under each and every note, like the inaudible breathing of the forest. Playing the silence, the best conductors know, is how to play tapiola. Again, I'm almost drifting to rocks, so I'm just taking some distance. I think I will just row around a little more. I'm always when I'm doing these episodes where I'm outside and uh, I need to pay attention to many things and uh, then sometimes I go silent for a while, I wonder if I should do more editing, but I usually don't because I believe I would enjoy listening to this kind of thing myself. Let's say if I was trying to fall asleep and I needed something to listen to that had no sense of rush 
than something like what I do with some of these episodes might help. I already mentioned uh, in the episodes just before this one, in one of them I mentioned that if my podcast helps someone fall asleep at some point, or maybe at many points, or if it does that for many people, even better, because that is a perfectly great thing to have achieved. That's a great achievement to help someone who really needs it fall asleep. I'll just repeat it that way, like I just did. Uh, Because it's... If you haven't experienced it, you are really blessed. But if you really need sleep and can't get it, it it does, you know, all kinds of bad stuff to your state of mind, but also physically. I won't go far into that topic, though. I'm concentrating on, in general, bringing a lot of light and lightness into the things that I'm doing and uh, as much as I can also into my daily life. I'm mentioning this because I don't know how any of it comes across. And at least I can record my intention here. It's trying to share something beautiful, a beautiful place or a moment of calm and things like that. Oh yeah, I realize what's happening. The seagull that I was just watching, what is it going to dive bomb? me but yeah I remembered that I saw a young seagull just around that place so I'm giving some distance to them the seagull is just protecting the young one for several Now I have reached the point where I feel talked out for the time being. This often happens when I'm at the lake, if I'm doing any recording at all, voice recording. At some point it just feels like it's no longer necessary to talk and uh, the main thing is the more important thing is to just be there. It doesn't even take a conscious thought process like that. It just happens naturally to fall silent and feel good about being alive, about, you know, moving yourself through the water. That also smells fantastic feels fantastic and cooling on your skin. There's a slight breeze. Words can't really beat that.
so actually I'll just uh, be silent for now as I row back to return the boat to shore and um, I'll still keep the recording going though but yes I'll say bye for now thank you again for joining me at the lake always a pleasure take care